How is it going, everyone? Hope your day is going great. I welcome you to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we get into today's episode, I had a quick question for you. If you're listening, have you ever been an investor anywhere? Have you ever put money into an entity to end with an expectation of a return? Hmm? Some of you, not all of you. Well, now is your chance. You can be an angel investor in Forward Thinking Founders. The podcast. I know you don't got to be an accredited investor. All you need is $10 a month or $100 a year. Now, what does this get you? What's your ROI? Well, it gets you a ton. First of all, you don't have to listen to me pitch you this every single episode. So you bypass all ads and all future sponsorships. You get premium content as you get the full episode of every single episode that comes out, as many of them are kind of blocked halfway through. You get access to our online community where you get to see access to the episodes sometimes days before or weeks before they hit the uh, before they hit the internet. And lastly, you get access to our in-person meetups, which we are having the first one in San Francisco in late January. So if all of that sounds groovy and you want to help out a fellow creator, which is me, and help me kind of invest into this podcast to make it better, then please become an angel investor in forward-thinking founders. How do you do it? You can find our terms and our, our sheet and all of our documentation at glow.fm slash F20R. That's glow.fm slash F20R is best done on mobile and i look forward to having you as a supporter now let's get into today's episode run it all right how is it going everyone welcome to another episode of forward thinking founders where we're talking to founders about their companies their visions for the future and how the two collide today i'm very excited to be talking to david booth who is the ceo of on deck David, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going well, Matt. Pleased to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. I've definitely been a fan of On Deck from afar, I think since you started it, since I first saw a tweet or something, you know, a year or two ago. So it's cool to have you on and I can learn more about it. So with that, let's just dive in. For people that don't know what On Deck is, what are you working on? We are working on lots of things. It's um, been a fascinating journey. The the top down, I, I think, is um, the the first place the best people look when they think about what they'll start or join next. And it's this really compelling vision, really powerful vision, I think, starting to come of age and um, in a world where people are more and more conscious about what they do with their lives, the, the mission-driven careers, the companies they build. Um, I kind of grew up in a, in a world where you were either employed or, or unemployed. Um, and you'd go to university to study and get a good job when you, when you left, but you, know, you weren't successful unless you had a good job uh, or somewhere else. And, and to me, um, you know, to be on deck is, uh, as a verb, uh, un- uncapitalized, is, is the state of exploring what you're doing next. It's taking the time to really align with your values and the people you want to be working with and to see where you can have the most impact in the world. Um, so on deck's come out of, it's actually been four years now. Um, my co-founder, Eric Torrenberg, uh, first uh, launched it when he was just leaving Product Hunt and he was on deck himself. He was... Um, you know, taking some time out to think about maybe I'll go be an investor as he ended up being, um, or you know, maybe I'll build something new, maybe I'll, I'll, um, maybe I'll join another company um, and emailed you know, a bunch of friends or, or others launched on Product Hunt. Um, and there was around 2,000 people signed up in the first couple of weeks. Um, 
2000, myself included at that point, I was, uh, and we can, you know, we can take a dive into the archives here as well, but I was at AngelList uh, or, or sort of shortly, shortly planning on leaving AngelList and um, was on deck myself looking for opportunities, uh, also shifting to London and took the, the community with me over there, uh, established on deck London um, and started to, to sort of to, to really build into the same kind of vision and ideals. But yeah, it's been a fun, really fun journey. So right now, if someone's listening to this and, uh, you know, let's say they live hypothetically in an on-deck city, let's just say San Francisco, and they, you know, they're in college or they're, they're, um, they're just leaving, you know, a bit like Uber or something and they're talented and they're also on deck, in what ways can they engage with the community? I guess, like, if you could, ex- like, do you have, like, products or offerings or how does someone engage with, with OnDeck as a, uh, as a company? Yeah, so if you wound up on beyonddeck.com, you'd uh, see this sort of split track, I think. And, and you, are you thinking about starting or joining a company? We're, we're starting to build products around both of those. Um, on deck in the very earliest day, very earliest uh, days was was really nothing at all. There was no product. There, there was a community, um, and that community was uh, centered around these dinner events that were, uh, you know, sometimes every week or sometimes every month or sometimes every couple of months, depending on where you were. Um, and around 20, 23 cities, I think, around the world, we've we've hosted them. Um, and there was a you know an application form that maybe somebody who was a local host in that city would pick up on, and that that um, you know they'd invite you to a dinner. Um, we've evolved that now to what we're calling the OnDeck Fellowship. Um, if you are um, thinking about starting a company, uh, we said, well, let's take what was the magic or the serendipity of having 20 to 25 people, you know, really highly curated small group in, in the room, um, and to try and kind of give stretch that out and give people the, the time to uh, get to know each other, increase the liquidity in the room. So, you know, 20, 25 people is not really enough to guarantee that you're going to have the right co-founder or the right, you know, the right early talent or the right inspiration in that room with you. Um, and so the first OnDeck Fellowship launched uh, to mid-2019, 20, um, mid 2019, May 2019, and it was 120 people in San, in San Francisco. Um, we had a dinner and a co-working day every week uh, and a really strong online community around that. It's sort of trying to create this... this um, the a community centered around paying it forward firstly around you know you're in the in the room with a group of very talented people each of whom is an expert at something so teach what you can teach and learn from them um the second fellowship launched in uh, a couple months later in october um the second fellowship was sort of a, a, an extension of the same kind of concept but also including a, a group of 60 or 70 people over in new york so going by coastal really pushing doubling down on the online community and we're and we've now recently launched the third fellowship the third fellowship um i'm quite excited particularly i think this is something that you resonate with um uh leaning into this this theme of it's never being more important to be deeply connected in silicon valley while never being less important to actually live there um and I think that's going to you know, continue to be true and, and perhaps even be more, more and more true over the next few years. Um, as you know, it's obvious that a lot of the, the centers of, of the networks of capital and power are based in the Bay Area. Um, but it's also more and more obvious that the infrastructure for remote, for remote work, that the quality of life, that the cost of living, um, 
that so many, you know, it's, it's now so much easier to build even entirely distributed companies, but they do have to have that anchor. So um, the third fellowship starts in March next year. Um, we're taking, um, again, probably around 120 people in San Francisco, um, each of whom, uh, you know, will be experienced in something, uh, mostly coming out of um, you know, either startups they've built before and sold or wound down, um, or you know, deep experience in prominent tech companies. Um, we have these criteria we, we point to say, uh, you know, people have to have one of, of four edges, one of four sort of, uh, you know, out, out, outlying criteria of, of either having um, you know, a technical edge where they can point to their experience leading engineering teams or academic technical credentials, their product expertise they can talk to and, and, and you know, describe the, the decisions they've made in growing a product from X to Y and the impact that that has created. Um, someone with kind of an industry or an operating expertise, they've, they've come from um, a, you know, a particular industry where they've worked long enough to identify something that, that's, you know, uh, you know, it's not, not uh, it's, it's, it's a um, unique knowledge to them. It's, it's an insight that they, they've identified I want to build a company around and more and more so are able to actually do using no-code tools, bootstrapping a very early version of, of things that we can, we can help them lever up. And, uh, and finally, what, what we call wildcards are people who are um, just have demonstrated through their side projects, that, through the, the, uh, the side hustles, or, or even just as being early team of, of uh, you know, successful companies and, and being able to speak to the learnings and, and the journey along the way. Um, and we have um, 120 from San Francisco and then around 60 to 70 from around the world. Um, and we've got a you know, very strong community across the US and across uh, Europe. There's been on-deck events across um, uh, London, Paris, Berlin, uh, a few other places around the world. Um, so really excited to actually allow people who have got you know, the, the more a very diverse cultural background, the, the, the repeat founders, the experience, engineers and, and product leaders from around the world to come and, and, and really consolidate with this, uh, this incredible group of people. Um, so to answer your question uh, in a very roundabout way, if you landed on, on deck, you'd be either applying to the On Deck Fellowship, which is kicking off in March, um, or we're spinning up a, a talent business as well in that it's a, an opportunity for us to, to say, you know, what is the breakout moment of so many people's careers? It's often uh, joining an early stage venture or, or aligning yourself with you know, founding team um, or, or early stage team that you can learn a lot from. Um, there's now 80 companies have been founded by, by people who participated in the On Deck Fellowship. There's a lot more in the broader community. So we're um, more and more going to start just re, you know, rerouting talent to join those companies as well um, and, uh, and think we can create a lot of impact by doing so. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's like... It almost sounds like, I don't know if people have made this comparison before and maybe, you know, you can think about it how you want, but it almost sounds like in a way you're like YC for people. You're like, you just find instead of super, super talented startups, just like super talented people and bring them under your wing and give them resources and stuff. Would you compare yourself to YC like in that way? I think there's, um, there's, there's some truth to it. And we, we don't go out there and sort of deliberately, you know, create this accelerator for people concept because I, I do think that's a bit misleading um there's if you, if you zoom right out there's actually a really interesting um uh sort of theoretical case for this as well um if you look look back far enough i mean early 2000s if you wanted to start a startup you'd be out there probably with an mba pitching vcs before you got started raising 10 to 20 million dollars and then going out to hire and build the team and there's um 
the, I mean, this has been really well documented across blogs, across Stratechery and, and others. You know, the, the, the launch of AWS changed a lot of things. Um, it made it so much easier to just spin up infrastructure and to build and, and, and scale as, you know, pay as you go. Um, actually changed the way the, the venture capital industry worked in a, in a large part. You know, what was first, you know, the Series A round uh, became the seed round, the pre-seed round, the angel round, the everything that comes before that. Accelerators are... A, Kind of created out of this this era, um, the the unbundling of, of company building somewhat, uh, where where it was valuable to give people enough money that they could get started, um, and to do so structurally so that you could uh, take a kind of a really deliberate approach to portfolio building and be able to go earlier than anyone else at the time. Um, but there, I mean, the, the great thing about this, this world we live in is, is technology doesn't stop. Um, I think we're at a point now where you don't need $150,000 to get started. Um, you don't actually need anything. You can be sitting there in your bedroom, no coding, a few MVPs together to, to test uh, ideas. You can, um, I mean, I, I have a saying that great founders don't need money to get started. Um, and there is obviously points where you do need money, where you have personal runway that you know that won't let you commit to being full time in. But but it's it's that you know getting started. There's there's also um, a lot more in the way of sort of credentialing available to to want you know to to business builders. Um, perhaps ten to fifteen years ago, there were fewer large internet successes. There were fewer you know, objective lessons learned scaling tech companies. Today, I mean, if you came to me as an early employee of Stripe or Square or Airbnb or Pinterest um, and said, I've been there for five years, I've seen you know, this grow from, from zero to one or, or X to Y, um, that's a credential to you. That's like being, you know, in the, in, in, it, it's almost comparable or, or in many cases better than going to a Stanford or a Harvard. Um, and you can use that credential to raise money. Um, you can use that to hire people. Um, so I say something I I mean they've done so much uh, and created such an incredibly valuable asset um, but they give you three things one is money um, and we all know now that capital is becoming more and more ubiquitous uh, more and more commoditized the other is a credential and I think that credential still is incredibly valuable if you're coming in as a founder um, who doesn't have the the personal track record of success having built and sold something um, or having been sort of an early employee at a rocket ship um, and the other is community, and, and it's actually that that third one which is is perhaps the least understood um, in terms of the the tangible value that it can have for you as a founder. Um, if you go back to my, my sort of soundbite, which I seem to be repeating regularly, um, that you know great founders don't need money to get started um, because anyone can know code, anyone can learn to code. Anyone you you know you, you mentioned you've had had Austin from Lambda School on the podcast before they've they've, they've you know they're behind a lot of this uh, making it so much easier for anyone anywhere to learn code. Um, at the same time, it's you know attention has never been more scarce. I think you know only have to look at product hunt or only have to look at Twitter or, or anything to see um, that there is more and more good stuff being launched. But it, you know actually getting the buy-in from a community of people who help you test and iterate your product to help you get through to um, actually figuring out what you want to build or help you get the first, you know, ins with the enterprise customers you need um, is, is getting harder and, and harder. And it will only continue as, as long as the, the, you know, the, the noise and the, the, the number of people continue here. So um, to me, community is actually the scarcest resource. Uh, and that's something that, you know, Ondex set out to help people find their co-founders. Um, and it was a sort of this evolution 
across of the, the dinners, which were small groups, through into the, uh, the first fellowship, which was kind of just like a larger group of potential founders, to, to, the, to the second fellowship, which was for the first time, you know, all of the alumni plus the current fellows were actually a meaningful critical mass that could, you know, really throw themselves behind a product launch um, or really, you know, have a diverse set of, set of skills or sort of diverse background sufficient to, to have good coverage of lots of industries and topics that there is this incre- incredible, like, um, knowledge base emerging internally that, um, and this, this, I mean, there's even a, a channel in our online community called Amplify um, where, you know, people are launching something and, uh, you know, you'll post it and everyone will jump on it and it'll be shared and it'll be broadcast, it'll be emailed out to everyone else's friends. Um, so, so to me, um, I, I, I actually just, I don't think we're competing with IC at all. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't necessarily compare. I, I think that the, the technology, you know, stack has moved on from the days where uh, the accelerator was the best way to get started. Um, and that's just the, the nature of technology. Definitely. I think there's a lot of interesting learnings people can take from what you just said. Super insightful. Um, Something I want to dive into is to go back to what you said a couple answers ago about how this third cohort is going to be focused on getting people the San Francisco network, getting them in, um, but, but not necessarily saying you should move here and stay here and base your whole company and life here. Um, can, can like, obviously I think a lot of people that are listening know on a high level what's going on in San Francisco. Um, so I'm not as interested in kind of hearing on the, the half of like, don't stay in San Francisco. But I'm curious, like, what do you see as the future of, of people that don't go to San Francisco, but just tap into their network? Like, do you see more people starting billion dollar companies in Phoenix and Idaho and Chicago? Like, what, what do you see happening for the next decade that might not have happened in the last decade? Good question. And I'm not sure it's about, you know, are they starting billion dollar companies in X or Y or Z? I think that um, San Francisco is not a place, it's a culture uh, that um, a lot of people opt into the idea of being you know, ambitious and trying to build the, the biggest, best possible version of what they want to do in the world. Um, and that naturally they gravitate towards San Francisco today, but you know, they don't have to, um, uh, they, they don't, you know, even, even if you uh, do build a company, um, and, and, and again, there's sort of varying degrees of, of truth here. I, I think, Today, a lot of the talent that you need to hire to scale, uh, a lot of the advice you need, a lot of the, um, yeah, it, it is obviously easier to get started uh, when you are proximate to that talent. And so we're not, we, we, we you know, far from, from anything we're trying to say here is, is that you, um, is that, you know, San Francisco is, is no longer going to be the center of the technology ecosystem. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. And I think that anybody can benefit from going to live there for a couple of years to really invest in and really solidify their own networks, um, but not necessarily because it's the city that they're going to be tied to when they leave again. It's, it'll be the people that they've connected with and the, and the people they're building with from that point on. Um, so I, I suppose how how's that reflected in what we're doing? Um, the one of the one of the the best things we we changed from the first and the second fellowship time round was first time we had a, a retreat at the end as a wrap up as a sort of a celebration. Second time we had a retreat at the start as a kickoff, um, and it was as simple as taking 120 people away overnight in San Francisco, and we took about 80 away, uh, so 75 away overnight in New York, and had a really deliberately designed experience that had um, 
even you know starting from the carpool groups going up there we, we matched people into uh, they, they didn't know this, but we put them into carpools with people that we wanted them to form into this first little you know, subgroup, family within a family. As soon as they get there, they're broken up into other little smaller subgroups. There's a lot of very intentional small group deep bonding and then broad group light touch points with the intention that someone can leave with, we say, 10 strong ties and 75 loose ties. So they act as your nodes into this bigger network. Um, and the, I mean, there, there was a lot of that sort of accidental. Last time we've learned a lot, we're, we're building into the next one. But um, the, the effect of it was incredible that even um, people, I mean, we did have a few fly-ins for the second fellowship. There's a couple of people in Seattle and LA and Austin um, who all came in for that retreat. And they were every bit as, as a part of that um, network on you know, day one and day 10 and day you know, 50 as everyone else. Um, so with the third fellowship, we were, uh, instead of splitting by coastal, um, combining all of it into the one kickoff retreat, um, there'll be just under 200 people, including a lot of our mentors and advisors and, and experts who come along. Um, so it'll be big, but we'll be doing over two days, again, very intentionally designed. Um, and then we ask everybody to commit to being in, in San Francisco as much as they can throughout the coast. Um, ideally a minimum of two weeks and again that does seem like it's um, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for, for everyone um, from a, a lifestyle or income or a, a you know, ability to take time off and, and build things so you know we're, we're not perfect yet but um, I, I do still stand by if you th if you know if you think you've got what it takes to build a global technology company you need to invest in your own relationship base and you need to take the time to go and visit the bay even if it's just for a for a couple of weeks and doing so during the fellowship while we've got, you know, we're opening a co-working space, which will have desk space, have events every night. It'll, um, where, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of machi machine learning under the hood to match people to each other and group them into groups. So there'll be a, um, you know, weekly dinner group that go out um, with the 10 to 12 people who are the best fit for your goals based on what you told us about what you achieved in the last week and what you did last week. So there's a lot of stuff that I think if ever was the time to invest in those relationships, then, then it's now. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, I, it definitely does. And the reason, one of the reasons I asked is because earlier this year in, in January, we got into an accelerator and we had the choice to fly in and out once a week for 12 weeks in a row or, uh, or move um, and, and, and get ourselves out there for three months. And uh, the accelerator came with a decent amount of cash. So the money wasn't really a question. It was more of like, what is best? And we decided to move. We decided to spend three months in San Francisco. And I think that was the best decision I ever could have made. Unfortunately, the company, for various reasons, didn't work out for the best, unfortunately. But like the relationships that I'd made in San Francisco, I still carry with me. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're trying to like get at is like you, you can be, go to the Bay, go to San Francisco, meet these people because they're going to be your connections, your friends, your investors, your business partners forever, not just for the time you're there. With, with that, I, I do have a, an additional question getting like a little more tactical for people that are listening to this, that they're actually like interested in like, like you know, that they're hearing about this fellowship. They think they're a good fit and like they want to give it a shot. Um, I'd love to dive into some of the um, 
the, the details of how to how to do it. Um, so if you, if you don't mind sharing, like, is there like, is it equity? Is there a cost? Is there like, like if someone was like in and you just need and you just to get them over the final mile, what's some of the information that they would need to know to kind of understand all about it and make them be able to make the decision? Yeah, happy to share more. Um, so there is no equity component. Um, and we do that intentionally because we know that um, we want to, I, I, uh, I almost call it like a, a freemium model for equity. Um, I, I know that many of the very best people uh, that we want to be a part of it um, value their equity far higher than their, their cash. A lot of them are previously successful founders who've had substantial exits. Um, others have you know, pre-commitments even from VCs or investors who are friends of theirs. We had someone come into the, um, the first fellowship with a million dollars committed from a, a, a notable VC um, before he'd even really established what he was you know, building. Um, and so you know, those people wouldn't be going through accelerators, wouldn't be going through a lot of programs. Um, what we do is charge to offset our costs. I mean, we're an independent company ourselves. We're building the first place the best talent looks uh, when they think about what they'll start or join next. We, we win. We create value when we've kind of won that position. I call it the monopoly on access to, to early stage talent, um, which is a phenomenally valuable resource. But um, we don't have a fund of our own. We don't deploy capital of our own. Um, we certainly have lots of friends and you know, close allies who are investors. I mean, our co-founder Eric is at Village Global. They've invested in... I think 12 or 13 companies that have come out of on deck um, just in the last 12 months alone, but you know, don't do so at arm's length. Um, and there's, I mean, there's, there's uh, over the path of the, over the prior two fellowships, there's, there's about 50 different 45, I think different VCs have uh, partnered with us to run dinners. And many of those have um, invested in participants as well. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we charge to offset costs uh, for the next one round. That's a two-day retreat and the cost of co-working for eight weeks. Um, we're charging $1,200 for that. Um, but we also have scholarships available. We charge people who can pay so that we can afford to do scholarships for people who can't. Um, and it's really exciting. Actually, we're, we're, we're working on some options for, um, I mean, again, kind of backing up to my early comment, you know, great founders don't need money to get started. And I, I realize that's also a little bit, uh, problematic because lots of really good people just don't have money. They've well, they even if they have money, they don't have the capacity to be flexible. They might have families. They might have just spent all their money exercising their their stock options for their last company. They might have, in a couple of you know cases, been founders of successful companies that have, for reasons outside of their control, run into the ground and taken their personal capital with it. Um, so there's uh, more and more people that are actually stepping up to sponsor fellows. Um, we've now got five sponsored places for the next fellowship, three of them provided by um, current participants. Um, we've got a few people who have raised investment on the, the fact that they got into it. So actually you know, raised some angel capital to say, I got into the fellowship, I'm going to quit my job, I need to raise some money. Um, and there's a really interesting idea space that I can't share too much about, but we're exploring around ISAs, so income share agreements. Um, you know, Everyone, well, most people listening to this by now will be familiar with the idea of, of deferring the payment of something um, until after the fact or after the receipt of that service um, and aligning it with the, you know, the outcome. So in Lambda School's case, again, because we've already spoken about Austin, it's you know, come for an engineering um, education and pay us as a percentage of your 
salary um, after graduation above a certain point. I, th I think the same thing applies here where um, we can say we give people the personal runway to be on deck and doing so shorten the time that they would have to have you know, taken off in order to test this idea. If, if you've been you know, moonlighting, trying to test an idea nights and weekends, it might take you six months where you can validate that or validate that in, in a month. Um, and if you're successful in building a company which meets some objective benchmark, maybe it's some you know, dollars raised or maybe it's, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's lots of different things that go on here, then the funds we've advanced you will convert into equity in that company. Um, or if they don't, if you end up getting a job or you join a friend's company or we help you join a, you know, an alumni company, then it becomes an ISA that you repay on a, um, a you know, fixed percentage uh, monthly repayment after the fact. Um, and to me, that's a, I mean, it's, 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 it's novel. It's, it's a new form of investment, which is um, so much more aligned with people. Even if, like, even if you, you do have friends and family who are willing to back your next venture, um, you have to have conviction that you are going to actually build a venture and not, you know, take your friend's money for six months, then actually say, ah, oh, I really wish I could join, really wish I could go take a job. Um, but you can't because you've got a moral obligation to, to your, you know, to the investors you took on. Um, there's other cases where you wind up just building something which is totally valuable. Maybe it's a million dollar a year cash flow business and you go, you know, build that for the next 20 years. But the angels who backed you are effectively out of pocket. I think, um, there's a whole new ecosystem which really excites me of funding options popping up from you know um, Tyler Ernest Capital to IndyVC to others that are doing shared income or shared earnings agreements and, and the likes um, that are filling a real gap fits back into this sort of high level thesis of you don't um, you know the 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 barriers to starting a company have dropped so much that the one size fits all VC model is clearly no longer the the only way forward for for people yeah it's uh it's so exciting um when i first heard about lambda school whenever i don't know like two years ago or whatever um i was just i just thought it was a scam i mean i thought uh, immediately like this isn't real like this can't exist but but it's now obviously not just lambda it's it this type of financing is like happening all over the place and it's just a new it's, it's almost like a new asset class and i think it's incredible for uh, for uh people honestly like myself who like don't have that much money like you have like something they're doing fine but like i don't have that much money to like to go out to the bay for for you know for a year and build my network or you know start a company uh and hire like my like full, you know whatever um it's, i think it's really interesting because one thing i want to dive into is there's a ton of people which you've probably met through on deck that are not in the Bay, but are like paying attention to what's going on. I would, I would classify myself as one of these people. And we're just kind of like trying to break into the network um, and try at trying from Twitter and whatever. And just what, you know, your plans are with, with on deck and potential ISA It's just like super exciting for the persona of me around the, around the country and around the world. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a great, yeah. great direction. <laughs> there's, um, well, there's, 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 there's a lot to be unpacked here. Um, and this is my favorite subject, so I'm happy to do so. Um, the, there's a few pieces. I mean, I think one is that, uh, a community like on deck is, um, 
needs to remain focused to remain valuable. And so on deck is about experienced talent going back to build their next startup. And that doesn't mean it's the only thing we're ever going to do uh, for anyone else. It means that we have to exclude by, by nature, a lot of people from that, but it creates an opportunity to uh, build more talent assets and more products that can actually, you know, expand the pie and, um, I mean, there's, there's things upstream of that, just, just as an obvious example, we'll say people who are looking for their first breakout uh, you know, role in their careers, looking for their first, uh, it's almost like a college alternative. And, and, and in many respects, there is a, a, a sort of a metaphor stretching here all the way from, say, you know, uh, high school is self-directed learning, uh, you know, grad school is, or college is your, uh, your first role, your first breakout opportunity, um, your... Uh, you know, grad school or, or postgraduate, you know, learning, or you go back, you've been out in the world, you've had some experience, you go back to, you know, advance the next step. That's the stage that we want on deck to set at. But what can we build at the college level? Um, and that's, I mean, I mentioned some of the talent business we were creating earlier. Um, we do plan on institutionalizing that a lot more in, in the new year um, with another fellowship entirely. Uh, focus on people who are, um, it's, it'll be age bracketed um, and it'll be focused on uh, creating um, not necessarily alternatives to college, but um, avenues for highly ambitious, driven, self-directed learners to opt out of the traditional you know, career tracks and, and go to college, get a good job, to uh, help them get a breakout opportunity and build community in, among each other, uh, among themselves. Um, further upstream of that, I've, I've been involved personally in a, in a project um, back in New Zealand where I'm from originally, um, which live streams experienced entrepreneurs into high schools around the country. Um, again, we're not trying to accomplish too much with every single one of these, but in that case, it gets you know four or five hundred, fifteen to seventeen, eighteen year olds the opportunity to to interact with. Um, I mean, we had Tom Nordstrom from NASA's JPL the first time. We had um, Craig Neil Manning from Sidewalk Labs in Toronto the second time. Um, that sort of live stream in and take them for a tour around the. You know, NASA or take them for a tour around um, the sidewalk lab smart city and these kids are like asking questions in real time um, and feed them up and I think you know it's everyone can every, anyone can successful can always point to one or more moments in their t in their early very early career it might have been a teacher or it might have been a first job where there was this breakout moment that they said well I can actually reach uh, I can actually aspire to something um, where you know alongside this this sort of conveyor belt, I suppose, of, um, of really focused, really valuable aspirational communities. Um, we see an opportunity to build a kind of a product backbone for that, to take um, a kind of a common element of all of it is, is the social capital that kind of exists around all of us. Um, we have this, uh, and, and, and a lot of this is, is actually building off of, of my co-founder Eric's um, sort of thesis for, for creating personal moats or creating personal brand assets um which is a, a really good you know really good follow on twitter if you if you look them up um the the the, the punchline is um if you told me if, if if you're someone i i really trust and if you told me that this friend of yours is someone that you would you really trust you'd work with anywhere that to me means more than a degree from stanford or a degree from harvard that, that means i can trust this person to get the job done um, that's credential that you've given to this person. It's a peer-to-peer -peer credential. And I think the you can have a lot of fun drawing uh, sort of 
comparisons between the the analog world of credentials and the analog world of finance. You have banks and institutions where there's sort of a middleman whose job it is to see that everybody checks the boxes. Um, in the educational world, you know, there's a, a college and there's different tiers that, that imply different quality alongside it. Um, and it's their job, it's their missions team at Stanford to see that somebody checks the boxes. So they get all these, you know, young, ambitious students who aren't going out there doing the best thing for themselves. They're doing the best thing for whatever the college admissions program says is the best thing to do. You know, rote learning essays or, you know, taking, uh, you know, up roles with, with class um, societies and things that aren't actually meaningful. They're just sort of badge collecting, so to speak. Um, so I think there's, there's something in there that we're, we're starting to really tease out around the idea of a peer-to-peer credential and, and it's um, com- combining three threads. One is that one. Um, the other is the power of uplifting collective aspirations. I think that if, if you did nothing with your day but go around telling everyone, you know, it, it, talking to people and saying, wow, that's amazing, you should try and do something a little bit, you know, help to lift their aspirations, help to, help to uh, lift their confidence, um, that in itself would create a lot of change in the world. Um, so, you know, some people know that. I think, like, Tyler Cohen is one of the best examples. He's got his Emergence Ventures Fellowship He'll just give a thousand dollars to young, you know, people with big uh, ambitions. Not because they, I mean, a thousand dollars might be hugely um, material to them, but it's not going to change the world. But it's that it's that investment of skin in the game, along with social capital, that really makes a difference. Um, the third thread I like to tie in is, um, to me, what I say um, talent uh, or an ability to identify mispriced talent is actually the most important skill in the technology industry. If you're a founder, a VC, if you're an LP, anyone who's working in this crazy industry where you know, the, the complexity continues to be abstracted away, as we go, you know, don't know what your career is gonna be doing in 10 years, but chances are it's not gonna be using a particular skill. The most valuable thing you can do is identify talent that the rest of the market doesn't know how to value as well as you can and to make bets on it. And that maybe that's a founder, you're gonna recruit it, maybe you're a VC, you're gonna invest in it, maybe you're an LP, you're actually diligencing the GP's relationships and their ability to do that. Um, so I think tying those in, um, and we're, 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 we're launching a product called Cosign, um, which allows people to co-sign the, those who they would work with anywhere, uh, who they would, you know, who shape their careers and who they think are people to watch. And I say you do so because you respect the power of uplifting collective aspirations. That's great. But also because um, if you subscribe to that thesis, that ability to identify talent is the most um, valuable skill, what is your CV? You know, how, do, how do I demonstrate to that to the world? Like if I, if I wanted to prove myself as an angel investor, I'd have an angelist profile and I'd list all of my early investments there and you know, you'd, the, the status would accrue to me as those investments do well. Um, the cosine profile is a way of you investing your social capital into people around you, and as you know, they do well. It's like the the hipster. I saw, you know I knew this before anyone else did. Effect for people. Um, if I cosign you, Matt, and you go on to you know build a billion dollar company, then I get to say I saw you first. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's that's sort of how we link them back together and say you know on deck is building this. Uh, or on, on deck is our is our grad for our grad school metaphor for the experience in the market. We're building things upstream of that, 
but then tying it back together with um, you know trying to stitch the the social capital that exists in the world into 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 product. So it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot to digest, but um, I'll stop there for now. <laughs> yeah. So. Candidly, uh, I wish I knew about this cosine thing like 30 minutes ago because the rest of the conversation would have been about that. I think it's fascinating, but we have five more minutes. Um, but I do have a couple questions on cosine uh, just because I didn't know that was a thing, and I think it's like just brilliant. Um, I guess are people are you going to if you're willing to disclose? I know it's not launched yet, but are you going to? like limit the amount of people someone can co-assign? Like if I, can I only co-assign like X amount of people or is it unlimited? Like how does that work? I, I think this is a super interesting dynamics here. Really interesting question. And and you're right. Um, this is so nuanced and, and it's, and it's, easy to fall into this black hole of thinking about social capital like financial capital. And if I was an angel investor, I don't have limitless financial capital. So I have to be, uh, you know, financial capital is, is objectively scarce, so I have to be careful where I invest it. Um, and we want, we need to prevent people from doing shotgun social capital investing, saying I'm just going to co-sign everyone in the room, and if one of them turns out to be good, then I'll be a genius, and if the rest don't, then I'll just scrub them from my profile. Um, so we say tangibly co-sign is like LinkedIn endorsements unbundled and made better <laughs> with scarcity and with Incentives. And I've talked about the incentives. Um, the incentives are, you know, be acknowledged for discovering talent first and, uh, you know, the power of uplifting collective aspirations. The scarcity um, is actually harder. Um, we've toyed around with lots of different models. And, and this is why it's sort of in very, very early uh, testing now. We've, we've emailed 4,000 people over the, over the last four or five months. Uh, we had about uh, we had about 1,000 replies, about 6,000 cosigns given now um, from some incredible people, um, a lot of names you recognize. And, um, and we said, please give us the six. And it's the, we gave them three categories, uh, people who shape my career, work with anywhere, or personal watch. Um, and so we initially said, well, we'll limit it to six, and you'll get a new cosign credit every time somebody that you cosign is cosigned, which, which incentivizes you to you know, do so well. Um, also a bonus if it's their first one, so an incentive to to break outside of the sort of the traditional. Uh, you want to help others break in, not just to reinforce the existing networks. Um, there's also kind of a there's a there's a SoundCloud like metaphor here where um, you know there's a, a certain a certain amount. Um, in fact, I, I jump straight in uh, into the deep end with that metaphor. Um, I, I, I think there's like a concept of of a a paywall which people are familiar with um, and I think that we can have a social capital paywall in that you know once you have paid in social capital once you have co-signed people once you have given then you get access to to use the product in some sort of more premium way you know to what everyone else would do um, there's a yeah, a, a lot of a lot of fun to be had around thinking about what what actually drives the users of a product like this, um, and who even are the users. I mean, that's where my SoundCloud metaphor came from. You know, is it the artists who are recording, or is it the consumers of music? And you have to realize that the consumers of music wouldn't have anything to consume if you hadn't created the incentive structures for the artists that want to be there and want to build their following and want to to sort of grow over time. So, to us, it's that the the the, the status game between. Um, 
users who are the people who want to uplift aspirations and want to build their, their, their talent profiles uh, and consumers who are people who want to search the network for recruiting purposes and for, you know, helping to, to find co-founders and find, you know, even possible applicants for the on-deck fellowship and, and others um, that there's a, a, a lot of, a uh, lot of fun, um, a lot of fun being had with, with our product team right now. Just leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. Well, if you need a beta tester or another beta tester for, for that product, let me know. I think that is the most fascinating thing I've heard all year, honestly. That's cool. And with that, I we are out of time. Uh, we can maybe potentially do a round two uh, in a couple of months if, as these things develop because um, I just think what you're doing is super interesting, You know, as I've made clear. But I just appreciate you taking some time and coming on to – Coming onto the podcast, I I think this is definitely a company to watch in the next decade in the 2020s to see what happens. Um, I, I I have high hopes and hope to be involved in some capacity. However, however it is, I love it. <laughs> I'll send you a cosign. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, cool. Well, appreciate you coming on, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right, there you have it. If you got some value out of that podcast, if you you know enjoyed learning about the product, if you thought you know you have a new angle on the market, please hit me up with a rating on iTunes, or, or better yet, in addition, become an angel investor of the podcast. For $10 a month or $100 a year, you get ad-free content, you get premium content that isn't available on the on the, the major RSS feed, you get access to our online community, and you get access to our in real life meetups, which the first one is going to be late January, and I'm inviting every guest I've ever had on. It's going to be great. It's only $10 a month, so if you really want to support, I hope you become an angel investor at glow.fm slash f20r with that i will see you tomorrow peace